Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. <laughs> the truth oh hey the herd mentality oh there they are there they are the the herd mentality Uh, please take them to the stockyards i swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help me god this is the savage nation here are the headlines hydroxy fails test rejected by a panel of 50 now i'm going to talk about that in detail not because i'm happy to tell you that news not that i'm sad to tell you that news i'm objectively going to tell you the news A panel of 50 scientists, pharmacists, doctors, not uh, your aunt who took it for uh, multiple sclerosis and said it worked. That's not science. We're talking about double-blind studies. Not only have the uh, tests shown that hydroxy has failed to stem COVID, uh, I have shown you in earlier broadcasts with one of the world's leading experts on this particular class of drugs, by the way, Dr. Nevin, M.D., PhD, MPH, study these things for 20 years. The long-lasting mental effects, the mental health effects are dramatic. You don't want to hear it. This is the herd mentality I'm talking about, and I can't change your mind. Serious mental health issues. Now, that doesn't mean that Sean Hannity has been taking this for years to explain his uh, pig-headedness about this. I'm not uh, saying that because he took chloroquine over the last number of years. He's acting like this. But the entire Fox News broadcast enterprise has fallen on the sword because of this. And the fact of the matter is, the uh, panel of medical experts 
Uh, you can't say all of them are sellouts. You know what I'm getting? Uh, idiots out there saying, oh, we're all selling you a vaccine. I oppose vaccines by and large. Not, not totally, but I don't work for vaccine manufacturers. One of the morons on Twitter said, oh, he's a Mossad agent. Well, I'm proud to tell you I'd be glad to be a Mossad agent, but I don't think they'd have me. Everything they don't agree with in the herd mentality of Twitter and now in talk radio, they accuse you of the worst things on the planet. So a panel made up of 50 doctors, pharmacy experts, government researchers and officials recommended against the use of the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine in combination with the antibiotic azithromycin. Why? Because the malaria pill can cause heart issues, afibrillation. And the NIH panel warned of the potential for harm from the combination, but there's much more to it than that. I have told you over and over again that there are harmful effects. I'm not happy to report this. I'm not selling you on a vaccine. It's unfortunately true for you that science is indifferent to what you want to believe. And so who did they look at? Who did they look at, these 50 doctors, to reject the anti-malaria drug? Now, remember this. Again, I want to, got to go back to myself. You have to remember that I have no dog to hunt in this particular campaign. I wish it did work. In fact, when I first heard about it, I jumped for joy. I said, oh, thank God, botanicals are going to save us again. And then I consulted with experts. And then I had one of the world's great experts on this particular class of drugs, Dr. Nevin, on the show. And many of you believe in science and believe in evidence. Unfortunately, the herd mentality rejects science, rejects rationality, and wants to believe what they are told. Fox News over 1,000 times over a period of a few weeks sold you on the wonders of the anti-malaria drug, and so you brainwashed on it. And it's time for a reckoning of reality here. It's unfortunately true that not everyone on this panel hates Donald Trump. They don't all hate Donald Trump. And they analyzed 368 patients. It's a small study, but not insignificant. It's not six patients. It's not one quack doctor in Munsee Park, New York, who claims it cured everyone. It's not a shyster, uh, you know, selling you something. They looked at 368 patients from the VA. And uh, they looked at how people with COVID-19 fared after getting the standard of care which is hydroxychloroquine alone or the combination. In the study, patients who receive both hydroxy, both hydroxy alone, and the combination of hydroxy and azithromycin were more likely to have severe COVID-19 disease. It actually got worse compared to people who didn't get the drugs. It's called a controlled study. But even after statistically adjusting for those differences, patients Getting hydroxy alone still had a higher death rate than those not getting it. There was no clear difference in death rates among those getting the combination compared to those getting no drug. Now, I know that many of you don't want to believe this, so you're coming up with crazy theories that they're all pushing a vaccine. They all work for Bill Gates. It's absurd that you can't accept science for what it is. I will also add to this discussion something I know because you don't, uh, you're not reading about this. I'm warning you again. There are serious mental health issues from using this drug. I got this from an expert in the insurance industry. And he says, in shorthand to Michael Savage, massive malpractice potential with no liability. The Quinism Foundation notes no liability when prescribed from national stockpile. Trump donated 30 million doses of the drug 
from the national stockpile. So once it comes from the national stockpile, there is no liability when prescribed by a doctor. But he says, I warn America about the burden of mental health costs down the road from hydroxychloroquine overuse or use. Disastrous recipe here. Given the high morbidity of the virus with broad brushed prescription approach, we'll have millions of hydroxy users coupled with many studies showing 10% or more with serious mental health issues, mental health burden will emerge. He said, I work for a mental health provider as an analyst. Our doctrine is to turn no one away, regardless of ability to pay. We are state and government funded. Who is thinking of the societal costs of this experiment? The cost of mental health care provision long-term from using this drug, along with lost productivity, absenteeism, suicide in the workforce, no one is thinking about it. Now, for those who argue deaths from hydroxy would have died anyway, ignore the same logic that says those who got better using hydroxy would have gotten better anyway. He says the drug success will be inconclusive, as it always has been, but society will be burdened with possibly millions with mental health issues. And don't say I didn't try to warn you. I had a world expert on the subject, and the fact of the matter is he was warning us, Dr. Nevin, and he's a brilliant man, and he wasn't selling a vaccine. He wasn't selling you on uh, the Resevere. He wasn't selling you anything but the truth, but apparently... Truth has very little value in America where the herd mentality seems to rule. And I know, just like you, we all want the magic bullet. We want the cure. We want this over. We want to go back to work. We want to think even if we get sick, uh, Dr. Hannity knows best, and we'll just take the anti-malaria drug and we'll be cured. It's not true. So let's talk about the lockdowns for a minute. Who was the first in the media to call for uh, rolling reopenings. It was I, Michael Savage. Why am I boasting about my... Who am I going to tell you said it first? I did. Because I'm trained in epidemiology, not in throwing the malarkey. I didn't go to the University of Malarkey throwing. <clears throat> okay, so I said to the governor of the state of California, I said to the president of the United States through inner circle members, reopen the nation on a rolling reopen. I said this four to five weeks ago. Nobody listened to me. I've tried over and over again to get the governor of the state of California to reopen the six or seven counties that's showing zero to no. He won't do it. And that turns us to the other side. The power mad Democrat governors are as much a problem as drugs that do not work. They are governors who do not work. They have never enjoyed such dictatorial powers in their wildest dreams at night. They never had so much power as they do now. We have insignificant, know-nothing mayors of cities like San Francisco. A zero, a street person who was turned into a mayor by the Democrat establishment, now has the power of freedom and slavery over an entire population in the city, and she is abusing it. Instead of quarantining the homeless the vulnerable in the city who should have been quarantined from the get-go, and I named the groups that should have been quarantined from the get-go. Instead, they quarantined every law-abiding citizen in the city, destroying businesses, like the Black Plague itself. The same is true on the state levels across the country. Instead of using reason, they're using a brush, a broad brush, to decimate entire states without any thought whatsoever. These Democrat governors are showing who they really are. They are dangerous, mad dictators. And so we have a drug that doesn't work. We have governors that don't work. We have mayors who don't work. And they're trying to tell the rest of us to not work. 
this will not go on. There will be a massive revolution in this country, as there should be, by the way. The people can't take this anymore. There are common sense solutions to the problem. You reopen the counties which have zero or no cases. That's number one. You start with that. You then quarantine those people who you know are at high risk. The homeless should never have been put into hotels. They should have been taken out of cities and put into um, specially built, specially built, prefabricated hospital-like settings 100 miles from a city center. It should have been done against their will. I called for that seven weeks ago, but it wasn't done because of cowardly governors and cowardly mayors. There are common sense solutions to this complicated problem. But I assure you, as you all already know, if this goes on much longer, there'll be nothing to come back to, which brings us to some of the other stories that I want to discuss today on The Savage Nation. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said Wednesday, today, he wants states to declare bankruptcy in order to avoid public employee pension costs amid the burdens of the pandemic. He said he'd rather they declare bankruptcy than give them a federal bailout. I agree with McConnell 100%. But take a guess who wants to bail out states to pay off the pensions. Nancy Pelosi, of course, as you well know, she's tied into the unions. But Donald Trump agrees with Pelosi. I'm sorry to tell you that not everything Donald Trump does has to be worshipped as correct. Donald Trump said yes. He wants to go along with even more money printing. He said he wants to do it for sure. President Donald Trump said Tuesday that he expected aid to state and local governments would be part of the next round of stimulus spending. Do you have any idea what these people are doing to the future of this country? Do you have any idea that we are fundamentally insolvent as a nation right now? Do you see ahead where, the, where this is going? Now, add to that the list that I have you have for you, excuse me, of the loans to major public companies that were supposed to go to small businesses, and you will see corruption unlike any I have ever seen in my entire life, and I've been studying politics for longer than the 26 years I've been on radio. I have never seen such corruption in my entire life where companies that have a market cap of over $100 million collected money that was supposed to go to small restaurants, small cafes, uh, flower shops, dry cleaners, your store, a cookie store, they stole the money instead. PPP loans to public companies like DMC Global, Wave Life Sciences, Mankind, Lindblad Explorer, Legacy Housing, Masonics, Digimanic, Digimax, Fiesta Restaurant. Why should Fiesta Restaurant, a, a restaurant change, get that kind of money? Tell me why a company that takes in $286 million in a market cap Wave Life Sciences should qualify for $7.2 million when the money was supposed to go to small businesses like the ones you own and are trying to save. Tell me how that happened. I will tell you how it happened. They hire a lawyer. Uh, I have words for them. A lobbyist, which is nothing but a gangster with a, with a laptop. A lobbyist is a gangster with a laptop and a pocket full of cash who goes and buttonholes a Congress vermin on the floors of Congress or in a dirty, I don't know, we're in a dirty hotel room somewhere and gives them a bag of cash to get a bailout. That's your country at work. We are fast becoming not like a banana republic, but like a COVID republic. Got that one? 
the Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Listen, we're in weird times. What if a medical emergency arises? Are you really prepared? Everyone says, oh, it'll never happen to me. But it can when you least expect it. In a medical emergency, air MedCare network providers can transport you or a family member to the nearest hospital. And if you're a member, you'll see no out-of-pocket costs related to your air flight. That's right. You won't pay a dime when transported by an AMCN provider. You should know health insurance may not cover the full cost of emergency medical transport. And even with comprehensive coverage, you could still get hit with substantial deductibles and co-pays. Pay attention. Sign up for an Air MedCare Network membership. AMCN is the largest air ambulance membership network with more than 3 million members, including me. You heard me right. This costs as little as $85 for your entire household and protects you whether you're at home or traveling. For $85, can you afford not to have this? Right now, as part of The Savage Nation, you'll get up to a $50 gift card when you join AMCN. Please, for the sake of yourself and your family, go to the special website, airmedcarenetwork.com slash savage, and use code savage. It's simple. Air medcarenetwork.com slash savage and then use code savage there are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases wash your hands avoid close contact with people who are sick avoid touching your eyes nose and mouth stay home when you are sick cover your cough or sneeze clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray for more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. I got an email from a world-class radiologist who's a friend of mine. And he said, this is in response to today's Washington Post, which reported on two people who died of coronavirus in the Bay Area in February. Remember you were reading the story that they found out they died earlier? My friend, the doctor, says the, doc- the Washington Post got their info from Santa Clara County, who tested their citizens' dead bodies posthumously, posthumously after they were dead. And he said they're using this fact to smear Trump and suggest the disease was spreading and killing earlier than previously thought. You hear this? He said Santa Clara County tested dead bodies to prove that they had earlier reports of COVID. Why does Santa Clara want to waste time, money, and medical professionals to show that Trump mishandled the virus? Why? Who runs Santa Clara County? It's big tech. Number one. And by the way, Big Tech and Santa Clara County are hotbeds, hotbeds for this disease. Do you know why they're hotbeds for this disease? Immigrants, H2B visas. You don't know that. Nobody will report on that. Did you hear what I said? Did you know that high tech and Santa Clara, where high tech is located, uh, is largely populated by immigrants on H2B visas? You didn't know any of that? Well, OK, I know about that. So that's another little fact that you need to know about. Phone number is 855-400-7282 if you care to join the conversation. Michael in Israel, let's make it quick. Go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Nation. 
Dr. Savage, thank you for taking my call. I'm a little confused. I read the story. I'm listening to what you're saying. And you yourself, about uh, two weeks ago, were talking about quercetin and zinc and how quercetin acts as an ionophore that basically opens the door so that the zinc can get... Yeah, I know all, but please don't tell me what I taught. So what is your point? Well, for the benefit of the listeners who may not have heard that, because I'm setting up where I'm going with this. So what I don't understand, because I learned that from you, and I looked into it, and I did further research. Now, doesn't the hydroxyl... Sir, I have 30 seconds. Make your point. Why was the zinc not a part of this study that they're saying makes the hydroxychloroquine... Well, there you go. You're a genius in science. You ought to now apply for a Nobel Prize. So, so in other words, you're saying that they're wrong in the study because they didn't use zinc? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying I question the study because I thought zinc is, is like one of the most important parts of the... Of the uh, pro- All right, well, I'll talk about that when I come back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Savage Nation returns. Uh, the herd mentality is something that I knew existed in America, mainly on the left. I had no idea how ingrained it had become on the right, where even science itself is now questioned if it somehow goes against what President Trump says, even after he leaves behind what he said on a certain subject and says, okay, I'm not going to talk about it because I was wrong in his own mind. The herd mentality follows through and keeps promoting the same idea over and over again, thinking you're attacking the president. What if it has nothing to do with President Trump? So if a study comes out that says more deaths, no benefit from malaria drug and VA virus study, right away the herd mentality on the right goes into overdrive, including people I once respected on Fox News who are highly educated but brainwashed uh, by the thug who runs the network who was a broadcaster himself with no no college whatsoever, who now dictates what people can and cannot say on that network, to the detriment, by the way, of, of Fox News. They may not recover from this. By what he is doing to that network and how he's browbeating everyone around him into going along with his big lie, I don't think Fox News survives uh, after this. And I don't mean economically, although they're in big trouble. They're trying to borrow money on the market, in the marketplace. But that's a separate story. So the study is more deaths, no benefit from malaria drug and VA virus study. And it is not a large study, but it's larger than any done to date. It is not one that will be the final study. It's not been reviewed by other scientists. But I have to tell you, it's interesting from the point of view of the fact that the NIH panel was made up of 50 doctors, pharmacy experts, and government researchers and officials, and they recommended against the use of the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine in combination with the antibiotic azithromycin. So what they're saying is slow down. Let's not all jump at it. We may have side effects that are worse than you can imagine. Now, I've warned you about not only the heart effects, I've warned you about the mental effects that no one has touched yet. Watch how ahead of the curve we're going to be on that one. Those of you are going to be rewarded for listening to this show you say, well, what good is it? What You know, truth itself has a value to those who love truth. Is there a currency in truth? There is a currency in truth itself for those who love truth. And I'm telling you that even if hydroxychloroquine 
does in the long run give some benefit, and I don't think it will, there's going to be side effects that you're going to have to deal with that are not being talked about. And we all know about the, uh, the irregular heartbeats, but I'm talking about the mental effects that I'm trying to warn you about, okay? It might have damaged other organs, incidentally, other organs. Earlier this month, scientists in Brazil stopped part of a study testing chloroquine. It's an older drug similar to hydroxychloroquine. After heart rhythm problems developed in one quarter of people given the higher of two doses being tested. Many, many doctors and scientists have been leery of the drug, as have I have been. And I'm saying don't embrace it wholeheartedly and don't reject this as just being pushed by the vaccine establishment, which is what I'm hearing. Apparently, a good portion of conservative radio listeners are anti-vaxxers. This is what I've come to learn. And the anti-vaxxers are also anti-science. It's a religion, by the way. They're not bad people, but they're fanatics. They're very much fanatical in their beliefs, and they do not want to be confused with the facts. And so I'm trying to give you the best facts that I can give you, and whether you accept them or not is your decision. And now we'll take a few calls and go to the bigger issues out there that are, well, I don't know if there's much bigger issues. Congress adds another $500 billion to the debt. Do you know what this means? They're writing, they're just printing money. And now Trump wants another quarter of a trillion dollars to bail out states. Do you have any idea where this ends? I do. If we don't become the Weimar America where we need wheelbarrows of paper cash to buy a loaf of bread, um, what will happen, he's, he'll simply lay a tax on anyone with a bank account above $100,000. Mark my words. Mark my words. They're going to have to pay for this at some point. How do you think they're going to pay for it? The middle class will be decimated by the taxation that will come up before the election. There'll be a massive one-time tax on the, quote, rich. The rich will be defined by the bureaucrats right now who are defining your freedom and your slavery. And they'll say anyone who has over $100,000 in in savings or maybe even, uh, what do you call, 401k is a rich person. We're going to attach, attach, we're going to tax 401ks and we're going to tax anyone with over a hundred grand in, in, um, bonds or excuse me, in savings. We're going to take a tax of 20% off the top. That will pay off the debt that we accrued during this madness. Incidentally, that could happen. Have you heard about Gavin Newsom's secret $1 billion mask deal with a shady Chinese auto company? You notice how that got swept under the rug? Even the LA Times. Even the Democrat machine is asking Newsom to release the details of his $1 billion mask deal with a shady Chinese auto company, and he won't release it. He says the reason he won't release the information is because he doesn't want competitors uh, to go to the company to get masks. I swear to God, this is what they're getting away with now. There is such fraud on both sides of the aisle, it frightens me. I've never seen anything like this. And we'll take some calls now on the Savage Nation. Connor in New York, can you make it quickly? Please go ahead. Mike, I got a comment and a question. Uh, my first comment is the Santa Clara study that uh, dealt with biological results showing that there was 55 to 85 times more cases out there was really flawed because they did a Facebook sampling. They put an ad out on Facebook looking for people. That's not an under- I mean, We're not talking about that. Didn't you just hear what I said about the Santa Clara findings two minutes ago? Yes. But I also have a question for you. I want to know what you think about zinc and hydrochloroquine. I, I would love your expertise on that because I've seen some stuff talking about the combination. Who? From the quack doctor in Munsey Park? The rabbi? <laughs> huh? You think. The, the, guy with, the guy with the sponge cake in his beard? Maybe. Thanks, Mike. Huh? 
Thank you. Um, I did a whole show on quercetin and zinc. I'll refer you to the show on quercetin and zinc again. I'm telling you that it's a very good idea to uh, consume foods that are rich in quercetin and food sources of zinc. You don't have to go and gobble pills if you don't want. I think it's still on my site. I hope that there it is. It's still on michaelsavage.com. Foods high in zinc activators, quercetin and epigallocatechin. And then on the right side of the page, foods high in zinc. So I would suggest eating foods that are high in zinc activators, meaning foods containing quercetin and foods high in zinc to protect yourself and explain how they work. I told you how they work several times over a month ago. We know that quercetin and and epigallocatechin open the cell uh, membrane. They are gateway openers. And then once the gateway of the cell is open, you want the zinc to get into the cell and the zinc does its work. Okay, but don't overdose now on zinc and don't overdose on quercetin. Quercetin can be hepatotoxic if you take too much of it. That's why I recommend getting your quercetin through foods, not through uh, supplements. I mean, the, the, the pill people will sell you quercetin pills and you wind up with liver damage from it. Likewise, you can overdose on zinc. Do not take more than 30 milligrams of zinc because if you imbalance your iron-zinc um, ratios, zinc itself um, competes with copper, for example. And it's very complicated chemistry, which I know a lot about because that's my training. So watch out for the zinc intake as well, would you please? 855-400-7282. Here are some of the other stories. We know about the Ivy League bailout where colleges with billions got more millions. And Trump stood up to them, to his credit, and he's demanding that Harvard give the money back, but Harvard won't give the money back. So far as I know, they're refusing to give the money back. Montana County demands citizens wear government-issued armbands to shop at grocery stores. <laughs> Montana County demanded that citizens wear government-issued armbands to shop at grocery <laughs> stores. This is what the little Democrat fascists are doing now. Yes, indeedy, it's getting crazy. I mean, we're seeing actually stuff come to the surface now that we suspected was under the surface. Okay, so who will pay for the coronavirus bailouts? First, it was a trillion. Then it was another half of 500 billion. Now they want to add another 250 billion to pay off state pensions. Can you believe this? If you're under 50 and you're working, you're going to pay for it. That's who's going to pay for the coronavirus bailout. I linked a great story on this on michaelsavage.com. If you're under 50 and working, you will pay for it, right? That will be the most damaging and enduring aftershock from the COVID-19 pandemic. The outbreak in deficits and debt to levels not seen since World War II. Now, we were facing a horrible fiscal future before the crisis struck with massive debt. I know we keep hearing, oh, it was the greatest economy in the world. Things were booming. That's in the Rush Limbaugh School of Economics. We were already $2 trillion in debt. And he was screaming about now telling you how great everything was. They were borrowing money then. But with the new economic lockdown and the gigantic new spending enacted to fight it, we're coming very close to the day of reckoning. And by borrowing multiple trillions at a pace never seen before, the United States, according to Fortune magazine, is endangering the sterling credit that makes treasuries and the dollar the safest of havens for global investors. They say that it's likely that within the next decade, the U.S. will need to impose monumental tax increases which I've been telling you. And what America's leaders aren't saying is that it's the middle-class Americans working today, the auto workers, nurses, deli owners, waiters, 
not just their future generations who will foot most of the bill. You're going to pay for this. You're going to pay for the pensions. You're going to pay for the bailout of Harvard University. You're going to pay for the bailout of uh, DMC Global, Wave Life Sciences, Lindblad Expeditions, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. You're going to pay for the bailout of Potbella, U.S. Auto Parts. Kura. How could a company named Kura Sushi, which has a market cap of $78 million, have received a $6 million PPP loan that was what was intended to go to a small business like yours? Can you explain that to me? Who owns Kura Sushi, by the way? Why, why, how did they qualify for this? What about all of these fake little green companies that are friendly with the Democrats? How did they get all the money? How did Adamus Pharmaceuticals get the money? How did Emmis Communications get the money? Emmis Communications has a market cap of $23 million. Emmis qualified for a loan uh, of $4.8 million. How is that even possible? How? It's called lobbyists. It's called the most corrupt political system in the history of the world. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. I realized that we're living in an age of anti-science, anti-expertise. And <clears throat> if you have expertise and you know science, you're considered suspect. Uh, they say that you're working for the vaccination companies or you're a Mossad agent. I've never seen anything like this belligerence in my entire life in radio. So let me see if I can ask a few questions. Do you know what a case control study is? Do you know the difference between an incidence rate for example, and a prevalence rate? Well, I do because I studied epidemiology. The next time you get a chance to call into Dr. Hannity's show, ask him if he can explain the difference between an incidence rate and a prevalence rate. Ask uh, Dr. Hannity if he can explain for the audience what a double-blinded placebo-controlled study entails. The answer is he doesn't know. He went to the University of Northern Ireland School of Blarney. And yet, over 1,000 times on Fox News, you were told over and over again, a thousand times, including people I had respected, I don't respect her anymore, who have uh, had to say this, that hydroxy works. And no matter what you tell them, they're going to say that it's a flawed study, the scientists are hacks. These are the same people who told you it was all a hoax to get Donald Trump. They're now saying that it's a hoax to believe that hydroxy doesn't work. So again, there's science. There's uh, mathematics, there's statistics, there are placebo-controlled double-blinded studies, uh, the difference between the prevalence of a disease, what is the, pre the measurement of the frequency of a disease in a specified unit of a population at a point in time? What is an incidence rate of a disease? It's the number of new cases of a disease that occur during a specified time period in a population right in a population at risk and can be calculated and you run a formula on it and then you need an incidence rate for a portion of the population at risk and then you find out how to determine the incidence rate i know i know you don't want to hear any of this all you want to hear is it's a hoax and it's all invented to get donald trump well it's not a hoax people are dying from it i believe it's a bioengineered virus and i think there's a high likelihood that china has a vaccine for it and has protected their population. How's that for closing Zinger? The Westwood One Podcast Network. 
fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome, Savage Nation listeners. We are all now germaphobes. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Question number one for hour two. What's the first thing you're going to do when the restrictions are lifted? You know, I haven't thought about that one. I played that movie opening from a 1940s movie because I love 1940s film noir movies. They were very patriotic. They were jingoistic. My kind of movie. (laughs) And (laughs) the opening reminds me of what radio really should be. Uh, not jingoistic necessarily, but it doesn't hurt a little bit of jingo thrown in there. We are all now germaphobic. America will never be the same. I did a podcast on that last week, I believe. Things have changed forever, and I wanted to talk about that for a moment, but I don't think that you want to think ahead. Right now, you're thinking only about now, like how are you going to get out of this? Now, in the last hour, I mentioned that I was the only voice warning about hydroxy mass hysteria induced by Fox News, all wanted a magic bullet. And the hatred I have received is worse than I have ever seen, almost impossible to educate the brainwashed masses who distrust and hate science. And then what I did was I linked an earlier podcast with Dr. Nevin where he and I discussed the very question, is hydroxychloroquine safe and effective against COVID-19? If you'd like to learn something, educate yourself beyond the average jingoism, Please listen to the podcast. Senate is, the Senate has added another $500 billion to the national debt, and most of it will be scammed to cronies, just as the last uh, have been. There's another article you, you shouldn't miss, China Queen Daifi's Ties to Communist China, exposed in an article in Tablet Magazine. It's just awesome. It's astounding to read that article. But again, no one's going to say or do anything because so the Republicans are equally sold out to Communist China. Okay, that's the reality of it. That's a terrible reality. That's why we are where we are right now. So if you want to talk about that, let's do it. 855-400-7282. How about Newsom Hyde's secretive $1 billion mask deal with shady Chinese company won't disclose details? The LA Times covered it, and it got no traction. Why is that? Why? I don't know. Who has the highest incidence of virus in San Francisco? The illegals and street bums. Were you surprised? No, I wasn't. The corrupt SBA program, which is meant for small businesses, gave away huge sums to publicly traded companies. Who do you blame now, the Democrats? Both parties are to blame. And the America we know and love will never return by the Savage Nation podcast is one that we covered. What's the first thing you're going to do when the restrictions are finally lifted? I know what I'm going to do. I'll stop watching Netflix. I'll stop watching as much television as I'm watching. So I want to talk about television for a few minutes. I think I, I did, you know, the science, a little bit of medicine, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, 
I like to watch Netflix because there are no ads. Okay, I mean it's a sensitive topic for someone in radio, where you can hardly hear the the host in between. Okay, that's the way that is. That's the format, and I love it very much. But you watch a movie, and there's a series, a couple of them that I was infatuated with. Who stink in season three? I have talked about the show Fauda, F A U D A, about Israeli secret serv- um, special forces operatives who look like Arabs. They speak Arabic. <laughs> And they go in underground missions, first in the West Bank in seasons one and two. And now in season three in Gaza, it's terrible. Seasons one and two were uh, fascinating and well done. And two of the operative, two of the actors in Fauda, F-A-U-D-A, which means chaos in Arabic, by the way, I believe. And that's something they yell out. If they're on a mission, let's say, posing as waiters at a Palestinian wedding, trying to get someone that they're going to kidnap. And everything goes wrong. On their headsets, they scream out Fauda if something goes wrong and all hell breaks loose. And then bullets start flying and fists start flying. And they try, they try to extract them. The team outside tries to get in and save them when they scream chaos, Fauda. So seasons one and two are good. Season three is just abysmal. That's what I noticed with series on uh, Netflix. They can't carry them too long. Season three has fallen apart. They go on too long trying to rescue a couple that was hiking that you're not interested in. Um, the love affair between the lead character is awful. I don't know about you, but the Israelis can't do a love scene well. I Maybe it's a product of the nation and the national mindset, but you can quote me on that. I have never seen a love scene done properly by an Israeli uh, in an Israeli <laughs> production of any kind. They just can't do sex. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an uptight nation. They're always uptight, paranoid, on edge. But uh, they just can't do a love scene, especially when they use the lead actor, who's kind of an ugly, schlubby guy who's an ex-Special Forces operative. He, he's really unattractive. I really don't want to see him, um, you know, in a sex scene with a woman. That's what they make. The, he's the Clark Gable. of. So it didn't work. That one stank. Now, switching to HBO, there's a series I've also touted, which I don't recommend anymore. I even went and bought the hardcover version of the Philip Roth book called The Plot Against America. The first few episodes were fabulous. I didn't know what it was about. It was about Newark, New Jersey on the eve of World War II, 1939, in a very lower middle class Jewish home, father who's an insurance salesman, stay-at-home mom, uh, two boys, I think seven and ten, and how they watch America just on the brink of World War II. And then it's fictionalized where uh, Charles Lindbergh, the great American uh, hero, uh, runs on the Republican ticket against Roosevelt and actually wins and how America falls apart as a result of Lindbergh winning. In, in in the first few episodes, I was infatuated with the sets, the cars, the clothing, the acting. It was all superb. I told some of my famous actor friends, and I, I only know a few. I even told a very famous director yesterday on a phone call to watch it. It's, it's falling apart now. It's awful. It's... Uh, by episode six or so, it has devolved into some jingoistic anti-Trump, basically, message that has been, of course, as you'd expect from HBO, it's worthless. But, you know, for the first couple of so I, I bought the book by Philip Roth because he's such a, a great writer, was a great writer. He's passed away. He was one of the giants of American literature. There aren't any equals, by the way. You know, when I think about the era of great novels in America, are there any great novels left? Great, great novels? Not really. They're all hackneyed adventure thriller or uh, gay and lesbian, you know, love affairs, 
Tell me about a great novel. I don't know of any on the, on the level of uh, a Philip Roth or things like that. There aren't any. The last great novels in this country were written, I think, in the late 50s and early 60s. Since then, it's been so politicized. They're like college romance novels that are not worth uh, reading. So there were two giants in the 50s. Philip Roth was one of them. And then the other uh, writer, if you can name him, you win a special prize, which is you have the knowledge of that writer. Who can name the other writer, the other bookend of the 1950s, who was equal to Philip Roth in his, in his ability to write? So anyway, the writing is good. Phone number is 855-407-282. Any topic is fair game. Uh, at the bottom of this hour, I have a very special uh, treat for you, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Let's take some calls. We go to Florida, where Steve is on the line. Florida, Steve, what's on your mind? Go ahead. Yeah, hey, Michael. Uh, I want to preface what I'm going to say with this. Uh, I've been accused of being negative and a pessimist. Uh, well, I'm not. Well, uh, welcome to the club. Yeah, I'm not a pessimist, but I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. Thank you. The reality of truth, specifically biblical truth. Now, here's what I want to say about this coronavirus situation. I do agree with you. America is never going to be the same. For years, I've been trying to warn people, and I'm not a prophet or anything like that, I'm not psychic, that a horrible crash was coming in this nation. And the reason I see that now, this crisis, is that, is because, yes, this is a global pandemic, and it is real. I have no doubt you've been on uh, Alex Jones' show before, and I know you're in agreement with about him. It's a man-made plague in a bioweapons lab, but I believe this is a God-sent judgment specifically on the United States of America because we have had more gospel light than any nation in history, and we have turned from that light increasingly. We've murdered over 60 million in the womb, even more out of the womb, the sex trafficking of children, all the idolatry, the corruption, the LGBTQ perversion. I could go on and on. Yeah, but you're what now you're blaming gay people for the pandemic? No, what I'm saying is that we chose to be God's enemy and in doing so made God. I could see the broader picture of that, but I would put it in a more uh, pragmatic sense than just simply you're looking at it from an from a moral point of view a strict uh christian fundamentalist moral point of view i understand that okay orthodox jews would agree with you orthodox uh, religious muslims would agree with you they all want to see that it's god's punishment i don't want to go that far but i will say that the gilded age is over and i think this is a response to the end the age of excess more than anything else you can't keep spending like pagan kings living on credit Buying things you can't afford forever. It was inevitable that the economy would collapse one way or another. That's number one. But number two, it was inevitable that a virus would appear to basically thin the population on the planet, which, is, which had exceeded the carrying capacity of the earth. I mean, that's another fact of reality. If you look at history, if you look at the history of pandemics, going all the way back to the Han Dynasty or the Roman Empire, uh, epidemics, pandemics came and went. And they appeared whenever a population increased to a certain point. And when it was overrun, by the way, by, by immigrants. It was true in ancient Rome. It was true in the Han Dynasty. It's why the Great Wall of China was built. It was to prevent them from entering China uh, where they did enter anyway. And they brought diseases. And we, of course, with open borders, invited this in. It was inevitable that it would happen. And it happened. I wouldn't say it's God's judgment, but it does neatly fit into that view. And I wouldn't deny it. 
I think that that the United States have become the most degenerate, degenerate nation in the history of the world. In fact, you want me to get started on that? I can, I can really start pounding a Bible right now if you'd like. I guess not. I guess not. Uh, let's put it to you this way. The extent of deviancy and pornography in America today exceeds that of any nation in the history of the world. It's mind-bending to perceive the insanity that is permitted to be broadcast on the Internet in the name of freedom of speech. And it all started with Larry Flint. Larry Flint, the pornographer who had Penthouse magazine, went to the Supreme Court and got a shyster lawyer to argue before the justices that it was freedom of speech to show what he showed in Penthouse magazine. And it was up to each community to decide unto themselves what is pornographic and what is not. And look where we've come today. If you go on any pornographic site, you will see permutations and combinations that are unimaginable. Uh, and you know and I know that it has destroyed the human mind, destroyed the human family, destroyed the human condition, and eventually will destroy the nation. You and I both know that pornography needs to be banned. You and I both know that it is one of the worst things that has ever happened to mankind uh, to, bring, to bring it out from the CD shops into the everyday computer so that people's minds can be destroyed. So you say, is this God's will? I don't know. I don't speak to him. I try, but he doesn't answer. Or if he uh, listens, he's not answering me. But I keep talking. That's the beauty. Oh, it was Hustler Magazine. Pardon me to those Penthouse fans out there. Thanks, Jim. Uh, I, I never went for either of the magazines. I just know the sociological history of it. But the fact is, yeah, so here we are, and uh, we're living through it. And uh, the question is, what will America be like after this is all over? Do you have an answer? Because I, I see certain things, you know. 855-400-SAVAGE. I'll be back in a moment to take your calls. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Uh, let's just jump to another place in time just to get away from the garbage we're living through, okay? You know, things will change one way or the other. So I'm a product of the 1950s. I grew up in a small house, an attached home, immigrant family. My father went to work every day, seven days a week in his little store. My mother stayed home. We had one car. It was a used car. We took one inexpensive vacation to a small cottage every summer. There were no long-distance vacations, no Disneyland. They never lived on credit. My father didn't believe it. He thought anyone who bought a car on credit was was cheating. I mean, that's the way he, he had to pay cash for a car. So I grew up in that very black and white America. And those are the 1950s. And the, and the books that I read shaped me in many ways. And the great writers of my time maybe preceded the 50s in a way like Ernest Hemingway couldn't really be called a 1950s writer, but he was someone who I read in, in great detail. Everything he ever wrote, magazine articles, whatnot, because I wanted to learn how to be a man. And I was always interested in learning how men thought. Hemingway represented manhood to me. Do you understand that? Boys need role models, and whether you get them through your dad or through your uncles or through a neighborhood guy, uh, it doesn't matter how. You need heroes, and for many people who preceded me, there were heroes, military heroes, baseball heroes, and to me, there were literary heroes. So other heroes were J.D. Salinger, The Catcher in the Rye, one of the great books of the, of the time. Uh, On the Road by Kerouac was very important in my life. It shaped my life in many, many ways, which I can't go into right now. Other books of the 50s that you could say shaped my life um, would include the books that I mentioned, even Philip Roth's books, 
uh, shaped me. There are other great books of the 50s that I never really paid attention to, like Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rand, 1957. I had to read it in college. I didn't really care for it. I didn't understand it. James Baldwin, great writer. Tried to read him, couldn't relate to him because I'm not an African-American. You know, Notes of a Native Son, great book. Go Tell on the Mountain, Notes of a Native Son, Giovanni's Room. Uh, he was a, a great writer, but he, I didn't resonate with him. I just couldn't relate to him. Great writer, though. Kerouac, On the Road, very important change in my life. Leon Uris, Exodus. Okay, understood it, but didn't really care that much about the founding of the state of Israel. But it was a big international phenomenon, big, big movie. Uh, again, important books. But there are others. I mean, Isaac Asimov was writing at that time. Ray Bradbury was writing. Uh, Herman Hesse, Sid Hartha came out in the American edition in 1951. I didn't really relate to it. I wasn't into the mentality of Sid Hartha at the time. Isaac Asimov, as I have mentioned, The Old Man in the Sea was certainly an important book, but I didn't quite grasp the meaning of the old Cuban fisherman out in the boat trying to catch the whale. You know what I'm saying? It was a, a takeoff on, uh, on Melville's uh, book. Um, other great books, Bernard Malamud, The Natural. There are others. John Steinbeck, very important writer for me. Kurt Vonnegut didn't really interest me. I thought he was overrated from the top to the bottom. But there are other great writers at the time. Uh, Arthur Miller, playwright, influenced me. Long Day's Journey Into Night influenced me by the great American playwright. William S. Burroughs, Naked Lunch, loved it, didn't really relate to it. Michael Savage, a host like no other. It is the Savage Nation. So I'm look, I'm taking a break from uh, the hydroxychloroquine the COVID stuff, and I'm doing stuff I want to do right now, and I'm taking off from the TV series The Plot Against America, written originally by Philip Roth. It's a TV show on HBO, and it was okay, two, three segments, then it got awful, just turned into a a diatribe against America, really, and kind of conflate uh, republicanism with Nazism. I couldn't stand it after a while, but I should have expected that. So now I'm thinking, what are the books that shaped me in the 1950s? Well, one of the Kerouac was one, but before him, there was Ernest Hemingway, who I read religiously. It was like a Bible reading for me. Again, The Hunter, The Explorer, The you know, Tents, Elephants, Africa. He was a romantic character. And, of course, when he then eventually killed himself with a shotgun, blow, shotgun to his own mouth, it was horrible. And I read about why he killed himself, how he was suffering from... Uh, mental illness most of his life. But that's true about a lot of great heroic people, incidentally, is that they're fighting a depression that they overcompensate for, and they become what? Who knows what they become? What do people overcome depression with? They become pilots, some of them. They become, I'm saying like it is, daredevils of every kind. Um, Special forces soldiers could be fighting underlying depression. So... Okay, so I related to to Hemingway in so many ways, and I was devastated when he shot himself up in Utah. But in um, 57, a novel comes out called On, On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And what was it? Well, it's a defining work of the post-war beat and counterculture generations. And the backdrop is that of jazz clubs, poetry, drug use. And it's all about the beat movement. So... Although the idea for On the Road, Kerouac's second novel, was formed during the late 40s through notebooks, it was published by Viking Press in 1957. So now I enter college in 1959, 
1959. I'm about 17 years old. I'm going to a city college, Queens College. All the kids there came for families who didn't have money to send them to so-called out-of-town schools. Uh, some of them were really smart and could have gone anywhere, but they didn't. The parents didn't have the money. There were no scholarships then, like that, like today, a scholarship for everyone. So some of these kids were really driven and smart. And one of them was a fat kid named Harold, and he was kind of the he, not 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 like a Kim Jong Un kind of fat, but fat. And you know, kids pick on the fat kids. That's the way it is. It's just the way we loved him in his own way, but we didn't really respect him. We didn't push him around, but he was like in the crowd, the fat kid. If you ever watch The Sopranos, everyone has a moniker. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a name, like a Damon Runyon-esque kind of thing. So he was the fat kid, <laughs> Harold. So he always came to school. He was a measly looking guy. He was a sweetheart. I loved him. And, and, and he brings a book around in his raincoat, of all things, and he pulls it out of the raincoat one day, and he says, you got to read this book called On the Road. So I said, well, Harold, what's it about? Oh, you got to read this about a guy who leaves um, his home and he gets in a car and he goes across the country and he gets into adventures. And well, I read On the Road. Then I read Dharma Bums and it, it really changed my life. That's a book that shaped my life, as did her Hemingway. There were many other books, but I'm giving you an example of books that shape a person's life. I was influenced by them and uh, influenced in a very positive way, incidentally, not in a negative way. I took the positive and try to leave behind the negatives uh, of On the Road, the explorer, the exploratory nature of man, the man's desire to be an explorer. Uh, jazz, I learned to love jazz in New York in the 1950s. I'll tell you a jazz story. I remember going to some of the great clubs of, of, of their time. I'm talking real jazz, played by some of the greatest musicians you've ever heard, and played in the village, in the village vanguard, the village gate. Around the time that Lenny Bruce was around, I saw him in the Village Vanguard. I remember to this day drinking Black Russians, listening to him. I didn't quite get him. He was too cool for me. I didn't quite understand who he was or where he was coming from. But I knew that he was the cool guy to like, so I liked him. But then we got his records and we played him and everyone would hang on every word and, you know, laugh about things that we understood. Like one of the famous <laughs> Lenny Bruce pieces is he goes home and he has a tattoo on his arm. And, you know, Jews are not supposed to have tattoos. It's against their religion to mark their bodies. So it was un almost unheard of for a Jewish guy to have a tattoo. So he comes home because he was a wild guy with a tattoo in his arm. <clears throat> so he takes off his shirt for some reason. And his Aunt Minna screams out, oh, Lenny, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery now. So he turns to her and he says, Aunt Minnie, don't worry. When I die, you could chop off my arm and bury it in a Christian cemetery and bury me in a Jewish cemetery. Stuff like that was so funny and so ahead of its time that it kind of pushed you into a whole new ether on the planet, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, we never came back down from those high places that uh, some of these great minds and writers and comedians, if you want to call them that, social commentators, uh, pushed us. There was Mort Saul, who I loved. He, pre he was around before Lenny Bruce. He was a little quieter than Lenny Bruce. And um, I met Mort Saul a number of years ago right here in the, the San Francisco area. He was still performing in his 90s, if you could believe it. He's a friend of Robin Williams and uh, his wife, and I uh, met uh, him that way, and he was around. I took him to dinner, actually, I think, now that I think about it. One of my little favorite. God, time flies on. So, again, I don't want to talk about COVID. I don't want to talk about the devastation of the economy. I don't want to talk about uh, hydroxychloroquine. I've made myself clear on all of those points, and I could beat it to death over and over and over again. And what is it going to do for us? I made my point. If you want to know where I stand on it, go to my, my website or Twitter or Facebook 
and then you could join the chorus, and most of the people are so hateful, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I knew there was anger in the country. I knew there was rage in the country, but I never knew there was such malicious viciousness in the country until I went on to Twitter and Facebook. I have never seen such ugliness as I have seen from people who are unknown and invisible and cowardly. After all, you don't really know their names. Uh, they're usually horrible people, and they're losers in life, and all they want to do is attack people anonymously, and that is where they get to do it. They get to fire away from their mother's basement and try to attack people who they know are better than they are, and that's what it comes down to. I may, uh, By the way, I may soon drop off social media completely. I may decide I don't care what value it is to uh, my career. I don't care about my career. Uh, my mental health is suffering from even reading some of the garbage that you will see. It is the sewer pipe of the human mind. Nobody could have ever perceived that we'd be in a place in history where really finely developed human beings who have achieved so much would be attacked so viciously by nobodies anonymously, almost in a Soviet-style gulag. Uh, it's self-imposed. I mean, you don't have to go on it and read what they say. That is correct. Nor do you have to be on social media. You can say, go to hell to all of it and just turn it off, which is probably the smart solution. And so here we are on talk radio where we have a call screener to weed you out if you're one of them. And uh, Jim does a great job. Unfortunately, he's had a great effect on his life, a devastating effect on his, on his health, having to listen to you. I never get to hear the bad ones. Jim <laughs> hangs up on you. But if, if we could actually hear some of these sick people out there, it might make for good radio, but I'm not ready for the, for the anger road, truthfully. All right, let me take some calls. This is great. I'm finally in a place I want to be, which is talking about books rather than talking about a virus, okay, or talking about the loans that went to uh, Ghana companies or talking about the corruption uh, of the government or talking about the evils of Nancy Pelosi or talking about China and their dealings with Diane Feinstein, or talking about how both parties are screwing the American people, stealing, robbing us blind with the COVID money printing. I could talk about how we're going to have to uh, tax the middle class to death very, very shortly to pay for it. Um, but I don't want to. If you want to see any of that, it's on michaelsavage.com. I could scare you with the five threats to the U.S. food supply chains, because that's coming now. They're killing chickens breaking eggs, spilling milk down the drain. Uh, what do you think is going to happen 30, 60, 90 days from now? What, are there going to be bread lines? Governor Newsom will give out a care package uh, every day to, at a local government-controlled food store like in the Soviet Union, and he'll tell us it's a wonderful thing to be able to provide food for the people. Uh, or the Pope, the communist Pope, who is giving a speech on Earth Day. The Pope is a long-term communist plant, that's who the Pope is. The Pope has long wished for a COVID-like epidemic in order to bring people down, in order to crush mankind and put him in his, in his place. That's who this guy is. So have all of the Marxists and Leninists. They've dreamed for a time like this. I don't know that they're not going to win, by the way. We have a perfect storm. But again, I'm getting to a place where I don't, I don't want to go. Uh, 61,000 chickens killed due to a fallen egg demand. They had to just kill the chickens and break the eggs. They'll never come back. I and mean, what do you think is going to happen? Hospital delivers bodies to Philly medical examiner in the open back of a pickup truck. But don't tell that to Hannity. Don't tell that to Rush Limbaugh. It's all a hoax after all. Those are not uh, bodies who died from COVID. They were created by the Democrats and the liberals in order to embarrass Donald Trump. Ilio in New York, line one. What's on your mind? Go ahead, please. 
Yeah. Um, I, I learned about Jack Kerouac at Queens College, too, but I was in the early 90s a little bit, you know, a little bit younger than you. And what, what I loved about Jack Kerouac was he saw the beauty in simple, ordinary things in America. And, you know, I could not read William Burroughs. I couldn't read Allen Ginsberg. They were too, na- too nasty, too negative. Well, wait a minute. first of all, William Burroughs was a heroin addict. That explained a lot of his negativity. And, uh, I mean, he had to become a heroin addict to deal with his negativity. Let's put it to you that way. But Burroughs was, he wrote the book Junkie because he was one. Yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't able to connect with So you're that. saying Kerouac had a positive element to his writings, right? Correct. And when he was exploring... He saw the beauty in the countryside. He saw the beauty in people. It kind of reminds me to why I listen to your show and I don't listen to anybody else's show because I can tell you love America and that you love people. And it's, it's the, even though it's a very similar type of ideology of Jack Kerouac, even when you're critical, you can see deep down inside you really love this country and you just want what's best for everything. And even when you make it bash in the liberals, you can even... You, f- you find a way of finding it, like, you know, where it's not as hateful as, say, Rush Limbaugh or, or, or other people. And, uh, and I'm- well, how can you categorically say all liberals are any one thing? It's the same thing as saying all conservatives are dumb or all Trump supporters are idiots. I mean, it's the same mentality. Uh, you know, you, you can't you can't <laughs> categorize all anybody's, you know, in that way. Elio, Elio, how are you handling this whole thing? I'm doing well. I'm, more, I, I'm most concerned about my mother uh, because she's 81. I, I want to make sure she doesn't get sick. Uh, my, my, you know, my, here in Queens, everyone is laying low and locked down. You know, I, I, I have a walk. I love the Queens accent. I feel like I've gone home for the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Whitestone, very close to Fresh Meadows. I, always- oh, I loved Whitestone, near the Whitestone Bridge. I always loved that area, beautiful place. It hasn't changed much. Criders Point and the Bay Terrace. It's funny you should mention Criders Point. I had a friend who lived in the Criders Point apartments. I was just thinking about it the other day, how his mother used to make spaghetti and meatballs in the apartment. I always smell spaghetti and meatballs. Whenever I went over there, I loved the smell of the food. It's funny how you remember things. Elio, how are you listening to me on the streaming? I, 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 no, I, I, what I do is I call, I, I call up, the, the, uh, I call up on, on, on my cell phone and I listen to it through my cell phone. I, I believe oh, like a stream yeah, on a, a website. That's how a lot of people listen to me where I'm not heard on radio stations. Yes. All right. Elio, I love that you in New York continue to listen to me after I disappeared from the radio airwaves. But I am part of the future, not the past. That's what more people are going to be doing uh, than you could imagine. God, I have so many things I want to say all at once. So many different things that I want to talk about. What, you know, the country will look like. What will movies look like? What will books become? Can there be a publishing industry after this? I mean, I've talked to publishers. Do you really think that you're going to go back to bookstores so quickly after this? You're talking to a writer who's had six major best-selling books. Uh, you're going to buy them how? Again, through him? Amazon is going to get every dollar that everyone spends on everything? That's impossible. I mean, how many times do I have to say to you, it's a monopoly clear and simple? Of course, he's providing a great service, but it's too big a company there are many other people who could be in the same business if the competition was permitted. And, of course, that's what the antitrust division of the U.S. Justice Department was built for. But, again, it's falling on deaf ears. Because in this country, you get the best government money can buy. Back in a minute. Home of borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. From On the Road to On the Air by Michael Savage. <laughs> that's not a bad subtitle. From On the Road to On the Air. 
what Kerouac wouldn't have given to have a microphone, but he wasn't, you know, literate like I am, verbally literate. It's impossible to do what I do on a daily basis and be as literate as uh, as I am. Here's a story before I take your calls, and we're almost out of time. Listen, as you know, I've been on a limited schedule over the last few months because of something that happened on December 5th. Many of you have been very kind about it, but some of you have been so mean. Uh, I only hope to God that it happens to you. I hope to God that you, who have been wishing me such ill things on social media, you should get what you've been wishing happens to me. You're so evil. You're such evil people. You're such losers. Why don't you post your name and address and say the things you're saying? As many as 10,000 coronavirus test kits from China found faulty. So those who released the disease on the world are now sending out test kits that are fake. I got this this morning from the Jerusalem Post. And they discovered that the patented liquid into which the COVID testing sticks need to be dipped before screening can be administered were faulty. And the test kit came from China. And I believe it was done on purpose. I believe the same country that has devastated the world with its virus, whether by accident or by mistake, it doesn't matter to me anymore. They are so bad, they're now putting out faulty test kits. And I had a discussion last night on the phone with a world-famous movie director of course i'll never mention his name his movies are well known around the world i got the opportunity to say hello to him through someone and he brought up this whole issue he said how do you see it all and i told him in a nutshell it wasn't easy for me to summarize it i said to him what 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 do you see it he says to me i've worked in china he says they're the worst people on the planet he said it's inherent in the nation to cheat people and to lie to them especially when you're foreigners he said they lie and they cheat about everything. It's what he said to me. Now, I know you report me to the police now, the race, the racial police. You know, report me to the trigger police. I think the world is coming to wake up to the fact that China is at war with the United States of America and has been for a very long time. Let's let that hang in the air just for the moment. I will be back tomorrow for the first time. I'm going to try and do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in a row. And I think I'm going to talk about great movies, great books, literature, and things of that nature instead of the horrible negativity of the world that we are living in. I hope you'll join me. Thanks for being here, and God bless America. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 